You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. It's time for another Geeks Pub. I'm Tim Robertson, and that's David Cohen over there. Propping up the bar. Yep. Um, (laughs) This is how stupid I am. Good way to open the show. We're going to leave with that, yeah? Yeah, yep. (laughs) So I wake up this morning, and I go Uh into the kitchen. And I know it's got two light bulbs in the fan thing, right? Right. One of them has been burned out a while, but it's a pain in the ass to change the light bulb because i got to remove this whole glass dome thing, and it has to drop down, and I have to do a little step lighter to get up that high. and It's a pain yeah. in the butt. So we've had one mm-hmm. light bulb in there a while, and I keep meaning to change the other one. I just haven't got around to it. I'm going to. So mm-hmm. I walk in the kitchen to pour some coffee because, of course, the nice machine is brewed it up at 4.30, and it's all nice and hot and ready for me at 5.30. Yeah. So I flip the light switch, and I hear that sound, Uh-oh. and the light bulb goes out. Yeah. Yeah. So my immediate, my immediate thought is, oh, that was my fault. I totally switched that light switch too fast. Mm, yeah. <laughs> How do you flip a light switch too fast? It's like well, there was anything I could possibly have done switching that. Like, I should have been way slower on that. What the hell am I thinking? So here's here's my theory on this. I take it um, because you live in an American house, and this mm-hmm. is my experience with most American light fittings, is that those bulbs screw in rather than using the bayonet fitting, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. See, most British light fittings are um, bayonet fittings. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, they fail less frequently than screwing ones. Because what I've found happens is that well, this is my theory anyway. So the screw it ones, you turn them on and off and they heat up and they cool down. And doing that over and over again makes the the bulbs become unscrewed. And eventually they get to a point where they're just a little bit loose. And then you turn them on and it goes in, it starts doing it again. And now you're putting stress on the filament because the bulb is not tight in. And then eventually they blow. Uh, and I don't know whether that's the mechanism or not, but in my experience... Bulbs that screw in blow much more frequently than bayonet bulbs. Could be, yeah, because it's not a um, complete connection. Yeah, it's, and... it's it's not the it's not the switch. And the thing is, is I I can understand why you feel that because American light switches, for some reason, I've never seen light switches like that anywhere else in the world. And in fact, when Alexander was a little boy, he loved going to America because one of the things he loved to do was just flip those switches on and off all the time. The action is very positive but it feel, does feel like you're actually doing something like you're yeah. engaging something like a like a switch on a train track yep. yeah um whereas you know all the light switches we have it then they're, they're not like yours at all they are actual switches you let me turn this one here next next to my desk you hear that well, you hear the click yeah but we have those too yeah i know but most of your houses and they're soft yeah have these what what i would call not coming from the states these standard american light switches the one where it's kind of like a gate and uh, you move it up and down rather than actually switching it in and out and they don't click like that there they have that action so i can understand why you feel if you're doing that that oh yeah well the speed of me doing that is going to affect the flow of electricity somehow (laughs) exactly yeah that's right you know you you won't need too fast you're going to send a shock of electricity through there and blow blow the bulb but really it was your fault because if you hadn't failed to change the old bulb you would still have light yeah they're both out right now i'm <laughs> yeah i'm not exactly. changing them at 5 30 in the morning well yeah but the problem is if you don't get around some today you're going to regret it this evening 
Oh no, I have to do it some at some point today. Yeah, I mean, at some point, cooking by the light of the clock on the microwave is going to get tiresome. A little bit. So, <laughs> I uh, you remember I I don't know if I talked about it on Geeks Pub or um, Tech Fan is one of them. Um, by the way, the screen should not fall off during this episode. No, um, but the, d- the damage iMac. is done. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I'm re- I'm <clears throat> I'm building a custom grill for my Sequoia. Yeah, well, I, I, you did talk about this, but I can't remember where. Yep, and yeah. so uh, I ran into a problem, and I, it took me a couple weeks to really work out the math on how I'm going to go about fixing it. And I got it now. I figured out how I'm going to do it. And I started yesterday. And it's coming out pretty well. Uh, today, I have to go get some Bondo. Uh, do you know what Bondo is? They have Bondo there? Uh, I don't recognize the brand name. I'm presuming it's a glue. No, it's a uh, body filler. Oh, right. Okay. It, it dry Like here in America, Like if you go look at a classic car, you... What the heck was that? Um, <laughs> Sorry. I caught my... Uh... Put my mic stand and it's got springs on it. If uh, you tap the car, you can hear if it's metal or bondo. Yeah, no. When I back in the day when I first started buying cars and I was buying old cars, they always used to say, "Take a magnet with you, yeah, um, and then put it over parts of the bodywork because obviously the the filler, the filled bits, and we just call it body filler here, will not be magnetic, so you Correct. won't get any resistance. So mm-hmm. yeah, that lets you know how much has been filled. Because, you know, somebody who knows what they're doing can fill and polish and paint that, and you won't be able to tell no, absolutely. without, without um, doing that test. Well, I've got this glue stuff that I used. It's JB Weld Plastic Bonder, World's Strongest Bond. So yeah. this so is this what is, I is, used. Is this, this a two-part system where you mix it together yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it hardens? And, yeah. yeah, this is not the Bondo, okay? Right. This is yeah. what I used to put the... 2019 Tacoma TRD Pro insert grill into a Sequoia grill. Right. And it, it says it bonds really fast, but my experience from using it last time was it took four or five days. It was still tacky and leaving a stain on my finger a week later. I'm like, man, yeah, this stuff takes forever. Unfortunately, the problem with using the word bonding is that doesn't really tell you, you know, when it's when it's really that means different things to different people, doesn't it? Well, they no, say, because they it say, says right if it's on the tacky back, to the point, yeah. No. They 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 probably say, well, if it's tacky to the point, you can leave whatever you've glued there, then that's bonded. But that's not what you and I think of bonded. No, we it think, says right on the back that you can sand after just a couple of hours. All right, okay. That it, it 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 within an hour, it's completely hard. Yeah. Well, did you and, use enough curing was. agent? Yeah, it's a syringe. It mixes it perfectly. Oh, it mixes it automatically, right. Okay. Yeah. So I bought two more of these knowing that I had to do quite a bit of fill. I figured this would be yeah. fine for the thick part of the fill, and then I could use Bondo on you know on top of that kind of yeah. to smooth it. So this is what I was going to do yesterday. And in fact, I did. I used this bonding agent to fill in a couple gaps. There's two big gaps, right? Right. It's just the angle of the insert compared to the outside part of the Sequoia grill. The bottom is fine. The top, there's, it's too big of a gap. Mm -hmm. So I put cardboard on the outside of it, taped it all together. And then on the inside, I, you know, I I put the bonding agent in there. Yeah. And I let it sit for about 40 minutes. And I was expecting it to be sopping wet still like it was a month ago when I did this. It wasn't. Yeah. It almost felt like rubber. 
And okay. of course, it was almost impossible to get the cardboard off now. So, yeah, yeah. so I just went and checked it, and it's hard as a rock now. So I don't know what the difference is. Humidity, heat, I don't know. But the difference uh, was, in was setup the, time. Was the tube you used an old tube? Had, it, had you no, had it sitting around no, for a while? Was, no, it was brand new. No, right. Could have been a batch problem, I guess. Yeah, but, oh my no. God. I had to use an X-Acto knife to cut all of this out. and ugh. It looks like crap right now, but once I put the Bondo on it. The Bondo, within a half hour, you can sand Bondo. That's the yeah. whole point of it. So then, how are you going to paint over it? Are you going to put black paint on it, or uh, body, yeah, body color paint? Well, the the outside ring is going to be the um, body color, right? And then the inside part, except where it says Toyota, that's going to stay silver. It's all going to be black. So how are you going to paint the outside part without? Are you going to mask it off, or are you yeah, going to of use course. a brush? Or no, no, you no. can't. You can't. You don't brush a car. No, I know, but you know. This, um, masking off for spraying is always a pain in the neck. No, masking off is easy. Yeah? Yeah, you just use some... I've got a roll right here, the blue tape. Yeah. I'm pretty good at painting. Okay. Remember, well, I did, I did all that. you can tell, I'm that, not. Yeah, I did all that stuff on the truck. I did the wheels, I did the logos, yeah. emblems. I, I, I plastered up that, but same concept. Yeah. Nice, even strokes, not too close, not too far away. Don't go for drips. Yeah. And uh, important, okay. The most important thing of all of this is after you finish it, you've got to look in the way you want, is make sure you don't tail end somebody. Yeah, I will, <laughs> like three days into it. It's yeah, just fun, nice. you know? That's the thing. It, it's just fun. Yeah. It's, I'm not increasing yeah. the value of my car or any. I mean... No, but but kind of messing around with it is, is fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what... Uh, and at least you're doing something that's not sensible rather than ricing it and trying to put big spoilers on. And, no, God, no. You know, it's already the, got a spoiler. Uh, those suspensions, they, you know, the motorized suspensions that make the cars jack up and down. Yeah. Um, you know. So anyways, I was, uh, between doing all that yesterday, decided I was going to watch a movie that I've already seen a couple times, but it's this kind of background noise a little bit. But... It's yeah. just sitting there waiting. It's it's between doing that and mowing the lawn and all that stuff yesterday. And I started watching mm-hmm. a movie. I know that they're coming out with part four uh, eventually, I assume. Uh, John Wick. Now, have you, seen, have you seen all three? I have seen all three. Have, so yeah. good. Aren't they? Yeah, I, yeah, they are great. Though I have to say that I think that the first one is the best one. Oh, I, well, the, yeah, I, because the motivation and yeah, yeah. I, I think I think one of the things that's bogging it down now is it's kind of getting um, too complex in its own world, you know, and everyone's kind of backstabbing everything else and all that sort of thing. The 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 great thing about the original one is the premise was so clean and simple, you know. Yeah. Ex assassin, yeah, who's got out of being an assassin because he found love. Yeah, he's grieving because his wife died, um, and he comes across a. A, you know, a stupid boy who's who thinks he can do what he wants, and he breaks in, steals his car, and kills the dog that his wife sent for him to help him get over the loss. And he yep. just goes back Ape to shit. the way he was, uh, just purely for revenge. You know, yep. um, and uh, and it's not he, it's not mindless. It's it's he has a purpose, but a singular purpose. Now the problem is later on. You know, it's kind of got a bit. It's it, to me, it's getting a bit conv- convoluted. 
Yeah. You know, one minute one minute he's fighting with one guy, one minute he's fighting with another, and you know, obviously, but but yeah, you know, the, and and also I think just the way the action was done in the first one was really more realistic. Kind of, it was perfect. It was just because yep. it was like gun ballet. Exactly. You know, and uh, yeah. Um, but, but I, I really do. I'm, I'm not saying I hate the the second and third ones. I love them too. Oh, yeah, I, sure. I think the first one was the best. Yeah. Oh well, that's almost true with most movies. Um, yeah. Star Wars being an exception. Um, but that being well, in the Godfather, I think Godfather Two is better than Godfather One. Um, but that being said, I think that this franchise, more than anything else, kind of rescued Keanu Reeves's career. Not that it was bad per se. But you'd, he'd pop up in a you know some kind of a romantic movie or, but it wasn't the Keanu Reeves of the Matrix, you know. No, yeah. What what John Wick did is it made Keanu Reeves cool again. It in did. fact, it probably made him cooler than he's ever been because, you know, if you put John Wick up against um, Neo in the Matrix, you know, John Wick would kick his ass even well, with all the powers and everything. You would you know? think so. I mean, yeah, he would. And John but, Wick, had, yeah. yeah. John Wick is just, he just is incredibly, incredibly cool. And what's really nice about this character, you, we both grew up in the 80s. So you'd see the bad guys get bloodied and they'd be an explosion. And two minutes later, there was no consequences at all. Yeah. You know, Rambo type of characters or the Predator series. Or they, they yeah. would show that Arnold had blood on him and stuff, but it didn't really affect him or slow him down any. But yet... That's not true in this movie. I mean, he gets no. the crap beat out of him, and there's consequences. You could see the pain on his face, and it and it lingers for scene yeah. after scene after scene. Um, that I like that. You know yeah. that he this is not a superhero, although they it kind of feels like it's going that route now. Um, but there are consequences, and and it's the die hard effect, which I wish more action movies would do that. You know, here's John McClane, and he's running, and it hurts because there's glass on the floor, and he's bare feet. You know, yeah. it's that sort of realism that I like, and continuity in that. If he got hurt in the second act, you have to show that pain and the consequences of getting shot or stabbed or kicked or punched. You know, yeah. in the third act, there has to be consequences because if they're not, it loses the realism, and he's not such a badass. Yeah, and and you know, I mean. You, you you think that and you watch that and you yes, you do see the pain in his face. If you actually step outside for a minute and think, you know, this guy effectively in three movies has gone through his stuff in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, the timeline, the movies only covers at the most a couple of weeks. Yep. And you just think in that time, he's hardly slept. You never see him eat. Doesn't use you the know, um, <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, you know, nobody could go on like that, no matter how tough you were. But, um, but obviously, you know, that, that's kind of it. it wouldn't wouldn't be great drama, wouldn't it? If you, if well, we do have to have us. We don't want true realism, you know. And you don't I, want in the middle like of a movie the guy goes into the bathroom. He's in there for twenty yeah. minutes, you know. <laughs> like, Come on, because yeah, because most of us would go. Green burritos. Would go, yeah, you go to the bathroom and you just think, okay, well, this is nice. I'm I'm not being shot at for twenty minutes. So, you know, yeah. I'm going to stay in here a while. You're almost done in there, John. Chill, no. <laughs> John on the John. John, on the, whoa. Um, I I like the but, movies though. They're yeah, they're, they're just fun, and not only that as well. You know, despite the fact, as I said, there's this convoluted backstory that's coming in now, but they're not shoehorning other tropes in. 
that you know there's no love interest there's no you know he's not saving some kind of mary mary sue character or anything like that he's just doing what he's doing um and it's quite neat in the second one he thinks he's he's kind of done the revenge thing and then he kind of gets maneuvered into having to do something else again yep um and um consequences ensue and then the third one literally picks up straight after the second one finishes um and he's he's dealing with the fallout of of what he's done yeah and and they're making a tv show based on the hotel which i think is a smart idea because actually that is very clever so the idea for anyone who's not seen it is that there's there's kind of services that that exist around the world for assassins to use and um they you know it kind of is yeah it's this kind of it looks like an upper class hotel but actually it's exclusively for assassins i've always wondered what would happen if a tourist just kind of accidentally wandered in there <laughs> said yeah i'd like a room for the night I, I i don't i don't think it would end well for them no probably well no no, no business on the premises so well that wouldn't be business wouldn't it no because the guy's a terrorist uh, i don't know no, he's, not terrorist, not, a he, tourist. Or tourist. I thought you said terrorist. No, oh, a t- tourist. Well, they probably terrorist stay. <laughs> they, the, a tourist yeah. could stay, no problem. You think? Um, yeah, you know, or they would just tell gold them there's no, to pay. Or, or there's just no room. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I really like it. And that brings me to my next subject of The Matrix. As you know, they're making a fourth Matrix movie. And I think we can both agree on one simple fact. The first Matrix movie is one of the best sci-fi movies of all time and the yep. second two are terrible <laughs> yes. they're just they're just awful they really so, are so yeah here's here's when th- where things went wrong with the matrix the first, I, I mean for me personally what was even better for me about the matrix is leanne and i went to see it we were in the states visiting my parents and we just decided to go out for a movie night one night um this was i think this was just after alexander was born so we brought it brought the baby along um and yeah, so we got a bit of time to ourselves. We went to see a movie. We just went to the movie theater, and we didn't know what was on. Uh, and we got there, and I, I, we were looking. Well, what do you want to see? You want to see this one? I said, "What about this Matrix thing with Keanu Reeves in?" We had no idea. Mm-hmm. We'd never seen a trailer or anything. We had no idea what it was. We just thought it looked like a thrill. Yeah. So we sit down oh we were blown away oh yeah because if you're not expecting any of that and all of a sudden you know all of the 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 hidden bits in it the fact that obviously you know halfway through the first act you suddenly realize that he's living in a simulation and all of that right was just just you know i mean yeah well especially f- because we you're tri- a tech guy at heart too and all, and then all yeah. it's, it's just pushing all your buttons like oh, exactly hi yeah. dave and look it, what we made for you yeah. And it, and it, you know, it was a kick-ass action movie with literally groundbreaking special effects. Nobody had ever seen a movie like that before. It's no. used of CGI and the concepts behind how they use the CGI time. and bullet time in real life. You know, it was it was just amazing. Um, the problem is the second two. They basically tried to do that, but more with no plot. And, it, right, you know, there's no I was plot. just complaining so about. I, I I just complained about um, convoluted, increased convolutional plot in John Wick movies. I mean. The Matrix guys, they just took that to the... Uh, well, girls now, I think, aren't they? Um, they just, you know, they threw all this stuff in there. And, and it was... it was Again, it all tried to be very cool. But the real problem they had is they'd set up in the first movie that Keanu Reeves' character was virtually inside the Matrix, virtually unbeatable. Right. Um, and they did they just couldn't go anywhere with that. 
you know, they tried and, and they ne- they nearly pulled it off because actually the subplot about the program, um, uh, Hugo Weaving's character, you know, the agent program, be kind of become self-aware and start to do his own things on the Matrix. It was kind of interesting. Um, and certainly the, the scenes where he's really taking Neo on yeah, were, were amazing. Yep. But at the end of the day, they didn't, they didn't hook that into a, a really good coherent plot. And right. actually where it ended up was just like garbage. You just thought, wow. You know, well, they it kind went, of blew it went the whole place series. that no one, yeah. And they tried to bring in some kind of a stupid mythology and, and that this, yeah. he's like a Jesus character. They even carry him off that way. Is this like, uh, I know. Um, yeah. What they Didn't should work. have done. Let's play a little revisionist history here. After the first Matrix, obviously they didn't need to make any more. I mean, it was a complete yeah. movie start to finish. You know, the end of it where he flies up into the air and that music riff hits and and then it just ends right there. And you're like, holy crap, he's like a Superman in the Matrix, which of course he would be. It's a computer. I yeah. mean, he could control it now. He could control himself yeah. and his own code and totally makes sense. What the second movie should have been, if they wanted to do a trilogy, what the second movie should have been is them rescuing as many people as possible. They should have all been about missions, getting as many people out of the Matrix as possible, right? And then, you know, kind of awakening them in the real world, and you see other ships other than the Eber Kenneber or whatever the hell it was called. (laughs) Um, you know, that, that would have been cool. And the Neo plays the hero role in that he comes in to try to, uh, you know, when a a mission goes bad, it's his job to try to kind of fix it. Yeah. And I think that would have been really cool. And he's still learning his powers. He still makes a lot of mistakes. You got to give him some kind of humanity. Yeah. And then the third movie doesn't take place in the matrix at all. The Mm -hmm. matrix at this point is immaterial because now they have enough soldiers they're going to go fight the machines and you do a kind of a terminator type of thing where sure. they they have to attack and you know that they can't just pull everyone out there's not enough resources to feed everyone the earth's half destroyed anyway so that's the thrust of the of the third movie that they still have to maintain the matrix for a while and that's yeah. and that's his job is to maintain the matrix to control it to you know, slowly bring people out of it as time goes on. That would have been, I think, a great trilogy. You know, yeah. here's the Matrix. He's a badass, rescuing people, getting rid of the machines. Mm-hmm. Done. And then what could yeah. be the fourth one? I don't know. Whatever. I don't even know what they're going to well, do on the fourth one. Who? Yeah, I was going to say, who the hell knows at this point? I mean, how do you, how do you square the fact that Keanu Reeves is now, you know, thirty years older, in a, an apparently virtual simulation? Where where you we you know you're not older, they're gonna have to resurrect him in some way because they kill him off at the end of the third one. Spoiler. Um, yeah, it, it makes well, no they sense. killed they killed most people off in the end of the third one. So yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 probably not going to be good to be honest. Those those two um, the Wachowskis they're not balls. Don't well, th- what I would say is you look at the work they've done since the Matrix, um, and they've not kind of. Um, redeem themselves from the mistakes they made with the second two Matrix movies. If anything, they've gone even worse. Yeah, that's what I'm so, saying. And, but, uh, and they're not a lot. Yeah, you listen yeah. to the interviews with them. I'm not talking about because the sex change and they're they're wearing pink no, hair. That, look, that's that's lifestyle. I, I don't that's care. Nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. I, they could be a man or woman. I, I don't care. Yeah, their plots are nonsensical. 
they had one brief moment of brilliance and they completely squandered it. They completely hmm. destroyed what they created. And this yeah. feels like, ah, you know what? We're rebooting everything. I have a feeling it's either going to be one of two things. It's going to be brilliant or it's going to be Independence Day 2. Because <laughs> remember back how Independence Day was a brilliant movie. That was yeah. so good. I mean, and it wasn't just Will Smith carrying the movie. It really wasn't. It, it really was an ensemble. And every oh, character yeah, was there for a reason. You cared about them all. Um, it, it, it was a brilliant movie. It really was. And honestly, beyond Will Smith, I think, um, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum. That's yep. the movie. I know some people say Jurassic Park, horseshit. Uh, it was this movie that made him who he is as an actor. Yeah. That's the one because he, the whole Jeff Gloom, uh, Goldberg ish, whatever you want to call it, the mannerisms and the, that yeah, was, you know, he's, force. he's, he's always played characters like that. I mean, he's, he, you know, that's his shtick, but it, it, <clears> he kind of fit, it fit the material yeah. the best in, um, in kind of a neurotic and, uh, genius and yeah, not great with people. I'm, I'm kind of doing his hand thing as I'm saying this. That's right, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And again, you know, comparisons with The Matrix, what made Independence Day work was because it was a properly bookended story. Yes. You know, aliens show up, Earth gets half destroyed, they figure out a way to fight back, they win at the end against incredible odds. Yep. Um, and they're done. The problem with the second one, first of all, you know, if you're going to do one, you've got to do it quicker than come back to it so long afterwards but then basically do is well how can we continue the story oh well the aliens are going to come back to kick our ass and it's just like what you know why would they first of all they said in the did they not hear that we have power books here yeah (laughs) no but they said in the first movie that this was a this was a fleet of marauding aliens who go through the galaxy stripping planets resources right so it doesn't make sense that there'll be another set of them somewhere else looking for revenge and they're going to come back. Right. Yeah? If you've killed those aliens, that's it, they're done. Yeah? And secondly, even if even if there was another, you know, a home planet or something and they they come for revenge or see what happened or whatever, yeah? They had their asses kicked it 20 years ago. Yeah? Right. They're not going to just, you know, stroll up and try and do the same thing again, which is what happens in Independence Day Yeah, it's the same movie. Too. At least they try to make yeah. it the same movie. Yeah. Now, uh, wouldn't know, it have been better it, if it would have been a different alien species coming because they've tracked down this marauding, planet-stripping asshole race that we beat 20 years ago? This is kind of like the police force of the universe. They come in yeah. to find out, hey, hey, did you see these guys? <laughs> Which way yeah. do they go? Oh, you guys beat them? Uh, and then, of course, the movie is, is you know, these guys really aren't the peacekeepers they turn out to be. Uh, they're yeah. slavers. They come in after this other alien species is stripped out of the planet, take the populations that are left, enslaves them. Something like that would yeah. have been interesting. So, or, 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 you know, galactic police decide that all this technology that the uh, bad aliens have left behind after Independence Day is something we're not allowed to have. Right. And yeah, we're not ready 20 years, as a species. They, they come to take it away by force. Right. And 20 years you know, is so, nothing to the species. That's like, No, well, yeah, but I mean, that, that's the whole point, is that, you know, I, I would imagine without the existence of hyperdrive or something like that, that actually any 
group of creatures moving around the galaxy is not going to take you're not going to do it just like that you know you can't have magic moving from place to place you've got to, t- got to have some time for it to happen yep you know did i ever um, talk that- about um uh harry turtledove on this show on at all no i don't think so so harry turtledove is a uh author mm-hmm. that i got into in the middle of the 90s probably around 96 97 and he's he his whole thing is alternate history and that's a subject that I, I kind of find interesting. Okay. Uh, a lot of his book, though, kind of focuses on, like, what if the South won? Eh, I don't care. I don't want to read that. Yeah. Um, but he had uh, a series of books called World War and then followed by Colonization. And here's the premise. Um, it's during World War II. It's 1941. So America's in it now. British is yep. being bombed all the time, but they're fighting in Africa and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Germany is at the height of their power. Uh, Russia has successfully defended against Germany, even though Germany has now taken Poland and they're pushing it into the rotunda and all that. Right? Yeah. So we're at the height of World War II. Now, you got to do a little bit of suspension of disbelief here because these aliens are kind of lizardy. They mm-hmm. show up to colonize the earth. Right. But but they don't change hardly ever. So this is a very long-lived species. Not species, but, you know, they're... No, I guess you could say they're species. They, they have normal lifespans, although one year is six months to us. But right. they take the long view. So they mm-hmm. sent a probe to Earth in, like, the 12th century. <laughs> right? Right. And they saw they saw guys riding around on horses wearing pelts carrying swords. So they're like, oh, yeah. oh, this and look at all the resources. This is a great planet. This is going to be our fourth planet that we're going to take over. So their weaponry is basically the 21st century weaponry. There's no laser beams or anything. They have tanks. They have fighter aircraft. It takes them a long time to get to Earth, but when they show up, it's only been like 800 years. So Earth should be exactly the same, right? The human yeah. race is going to be the same, um, pre-industrialized world. So they show up and it's World War II and they're like, what the hell? They're, they're yeah. like gobsmacked. There's no way this could happen because right. things move so slowly for them. If they're going to change, for instance, they're going to, they're going to design a new missile for their aircraft, that's going to take a couple hundred years at least. <laughs> that's how slow this species moves. Um, so they arrive... And they still have to take over the planet. So that's where it starts, where they have way better weaponry. For instance, they land tanks in in, um, in Germany. And their tanks are way better than what the Germans have. Except it's been thousands of years since any of their species has ever been in a war. They've all just done simulation. Plus, they were right. expecting knights in shining armor. Well, the Germans, of course, have way better tactics. And they've been fighting for a while now. Two world mm-hmm. wars... You know, when it comes to tanks, they were, at, they didn't have the best equipment always, but they always had the best tactics, especially against these lizard guys. So it, it might take 20 German tanks destroyed before they take out, a, a, they call them the lizard tanks, but they will take them out. And of course, both the U.S. and Germany are already working on nuclear weapons. And it's a really fun series. I read it back in the 90s. Um 
a lot of characters, but it's easy to keep track of who is who and why. And it's yeah. just, it's really, really good. Sounds cool. You, It's one that, you know, when you start working again and you're doing your commute thing, I would recommend the audio books. Um, I'm, right. And the reason I bring this up is because that's what I'm doing right now. I'm listening to the audio books. I remember most of what happens. Uh, yeah, I read it 30 years ago, but I still remember most of it. But there are some parts that I yeah. completely forgot about. And the guy who's who does the voices, he does a spot on English accent, German accent, Russian. He doesn't do very well with women, but most men don't. Um, but each character that he voices is very unique. You know exactly who it is as soon as they start talking. Um, but the story itself, I, it's just brilliant to me. I, I really like a really thought out, you know, um, not just well thought out, but researched, you know, who some of the main characters were in the world at that point. Some of those people make an appearance. And it's just really good. I, I really enjoy it. So this is, um, I'm looking now, this is the World War series, is it? Yes. Yep. Like yeah. right now okay. I'm uh, striking the balance, the fourth book in the first, I guess you can say. So there's four books in the World War, and then there's yeah. three in the colonization uh, he right. started in 94 and he stopped in 2004. So he was 10 years writing this, but he wrote other books at the same time he was writing these, which, holy crap, I don't know how you do that. And some of the other ones are also series. So he's right. basically writing a book in about three months. That's yeah, impressive. Your story about, you know, reading this 30 years ago and that sort of thing, and it, 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 it brought something to mind as you were talking about it as well, which is, it seems like when you and I were growing up, uh, science fiction is pretty much my favorite uh, genre of fiction. Same me. It's, Same it's, with me. Yeah. I read other stuff, um, but I keep coming back to science fiction always. Exactly, yeah. And um, it seems to me there were a lot more science fiction authors when we were kids than there are nowadays. No, and you're, a lot more you're not. Different no. types of stories. No. No, you're 100% no. wrong. Yeah? Yeah. Now... There, there was more printed books back then than there are now. Yeah. And it seemed like there was more because you go into a bookstore and you look at the science fiction and look at all these damn books, right? Yeah. Do that on Amazon. And so many authors now, like you remember T.R. Harris who writes science fiction. Yeah, where, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I had him on, I think, OWC Radio. Um, you know, he's on book like 50 at this point. But it's only yeah. on Kindle. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no hard copy of this book. So when yeah. you start going deep diving into Amazon and science fiction, uh, and even Audible for that matter, there is so much of it, dude. There the is problem a is, ton. Yeah, the problem is, is there's no there's no curation there. What I, what I always appreciated about going to buy real physical printed books is that, you know, don't get me wrong, you read bad books as well as good books. Yeah. But often you would see, particularly people that had written a few books, yeah, they were selling enough because the books were good enough that the publishers wanted them to keep writing books. And that in itself was guaranteed a certain level of quality. See, I would disagree I with, with you. Well, okay, all right. That's, we can talk about that in a minute. But the, the problem I have with Amazon is that, first of all, you don't have that. And secondly, discoverability on Amazon is awful. You, that you know, I will you, agree you, with you. Yeah? 
Whereas you go into a bookstore oh, I, 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 and, and, and look at the shelves and the discoverability is much, much better. And again, you get that level of curation element. The reason I say this is that last time we went to a bookstore, even in an American bookstore, and looked at the science fiction section, I saw all the same people. And and it's a, yeah. the actual number of authors is far fewer than it used to be. And there mm-hmm. are loads and loads of people who've kind of fallen by the wayside and never gone anywhere. Um, right. You know, and it's the same and thing. And that's and why I said well, you were that, wrong earlier. Yeah. That's okay, the problem. Well, I, I, I can accept that. But the problem is, is that I don't find I have a good way of sorting the wheat from the chaff on Amazon. Well, knowing which ones are, which yeah. ones, uh, which self-published ones are great, like T.R. Well, T.R. Harrison, did you say? Mm-hmm. Was that what his name was? Yeah. T.R. You know, Harris. T.R. Harris, you know, the ones like that, which I've read and enjoyed and that sort of thing, and the ones which unfortunately are self-published and not well-written and have hackney stories and, you know, and as I say, there's no guarantee. I mean, we've we've talked about the um, the guy who wrote Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. We loved Ready Player One. The, the book he wrote after that I thought was terrible. And then right. you go back and read Ready Player One again and you think, actually, this is it's a great idea, but it's not written well. Um you know, so there's no guarantee that being a bestseller or being published or anything like that means that it's it's excellent. But the difficulty I have with Amazon is that I've, I've just got no idea. And I can't, I don't have the time to read all of them. Right. And you here's know? where you're right and wrong. A, I 100% agree. Finding, you know, something worthwhile on Amazon is, it's awful. It's just awful. Yeah. What What we need is some really good websites that are put together that will say, these are the books worth reading. You know, this, this is good. Follow this series. And, and one of the problems, if you want to call it that is everyone's writing fricking series now instead of standalone books. They think that's where the money is. Um, So that is an issue. The flip side of that is I think curation in the back in the past wasn't very good. Uh, people were making decisions that didn't have any business making decisions on whether something was good or bad. How many times have you seen, <clears throat> I'm going <clears> to <throat> mention someone here in a second, that everyone turns down, everyone, all these yeah. professionals, until one place gives them a chance, and then we get Harry Potter. So yeah. how many authors submitted to three or four publishing houses a brilliant script and it went nowhere because some dickhead uh, that thinks they know everything. Oh, I don't get it. We're not yeah. gonna so in that regard, I think you're 100% wrong. I think the curation mm-hmm. by these experts was horseshit. You know how many times I found mistakes in books? I'm like, who the hell edited this thing? <laughs> I mean, it was terrible. Well, yeah, Ed- Editing is, a, is another thing. And, and, and of course, nowadays editing is is almost becoming a lost art because everyone's kind of oh it doesn't matter as long as the content right all this well of yes and Look, no I, because I, you can update I, books on amazon you can go back and have yeah. someone edit it or you find mistakes and you correct it and you yeah. push the new version up um and that's why i think it's better now than it was then because no, I don't, yeah it, it, okay so your your book book isn't brilliant right but you didn't get 50 rejection letters um and then you just finally says, screw it, I'm going to give up. No, you submit it to Amazon. It gets published. A couple hundred people buy it. You're motivated. You write a second book, which is even better than the first book because now you're honing that craft. Look, I started my Mac because I wanted to be a writer. 
You know, I've yeah. told this story before. I wanted to do one of three things as a writer. I wanted to write comic books or I wanted to be a reviewer at Stereo Review Magazine. I wanted to write and I knew the only way to become a writer is to frickin' write. But I didn't want to write into a vacuum because there's no gratification. There's no someone saying, hey, this is good. You might want to do this next time. Or yeah. just that feedback. So I think it's better now. There are more science oh. fiction books. There's yeah. more creativity than I've seen in a long time. The music industry is kind of the same way too. If you get away from the pop stuff, you get away from the top of the charts on iTunes or Amazon, you're going to find some brilliant music Um people taking chances that they haven't done since the 80s when we invented whole new genres of music like rap and hip-hop um everything is when it comes to the content that we can consume is better now than it's ever been i I, of course i don't i don't disagree with you whatsoever on that point and look at what we're doing here this is the type of content creation that 30 years ago we no, we couldn't have dreamed of doing no we had to get again um, and you know get in with npr or bbc and some you know well we're not professionals we don't have a background on this what do you mean you guys going to talk about well on the tech side tech fan or the mymac podcast yeah. and stuff like that and uh, yeah for an hour you know uh. the, but, but the, yes of course you know i'm completely down with the democratization of content creation by the power of technology and the internet absolutely you know yep. this is my life just the same as yours but the, the, the point I'm making is the alternate point is that it's never been easier for anybody to create content, but and that's a double-edged sword. And the problem well, of is course, without... But without yeah. but I think it's still better, though. I think there's no, I, still I, I, more yeah. good stuff now than there was then. Because yeah, the we have this walled, yeah, gated have community it. that didn't want yeah. to let some guy in the middle of Montana write science fiction books now yeah. screw those guys he can just go ahead and I, do it and if it sucks I, it sucks but at least he's doing it i agree with all of that and uh you know i embrace it and yes you're right from that point of view it's better but the problem is it's the spoil for choice problem that you know there's more content out than ever but you know who knows what the um the variation in the quality level even how you measure that is but right but the but difficulty the, is is that is that now you are left with you know you can criticize the executives at the book at the book publishers who say yay or nay on a book uh, for various reasons some of the, some of the times it's because they you know they didn't grok the content sometimes they just thought you know what actually this is really good we just don't think it's commercial enough to sell or we have an author another author who who, who writes stuff already on the books who's, who's who does similar sort of stuff to this you know or we really like our you know 80% of it but there's 20% of it we can't agree with because it, it's going to cause us a problem whatever you know those those were issues and access to being able to break into those clubs, of course, we're much, much better off. But, but you know, I don't think we should, you know, and, and I find this kind of ironic because we frequently discontent content um, management uh, on this show, you know, movies and Kathleen Kennedy and all of these sort of things, people who make bad decisions. But at the end of the day, at least that is some level of bar you have to get over to convince somebody that your stuff is good enough that it's worth them taking a risk publishing and, and so the difficulty you look at that as a positive i look at that as a negative i think that was well, i think that it's was a, it's, bad. A, it's a positive and a negative i think you know it's a positive in that it just means that that you know if you go and buy something on the shelf that means somebody thought it was worth investing the money to publish it yeah but um, i can't tell you that, how many bad is, books i read until the to kindle came yeah, well, out on amazon I, I, and all that I, I read so many crap I, I books agree. that I spent 
eight bucks on. It was just garbage, and I ended up throwing the book away or donating it to some because it was terrible, terrible. Okay. And there was way and, more and bad books again, than good books just, back then. Well, you know, this is the problem: is is that you and I perhaps have a slightly different experience and perspective on on that. And I'm not saying, you know, the the traditional publishing model is all that. You know, I recognise that completely. But by the same token, the the issue I have now. All right, let's let's put the issue of the publishers to one side. The problem I have now is filtering the content. I'm time poor, yeah, and filtering the content to find the stuff that I think will really I really enjoy and everything. There's, there's nothing to help me. And you mentioned websites before, but you can't even really nowadays trust websites either, because again, they'll let anybody review anything. In many cases, so your point and you is, you don't know whether you don't you don't know whether the website. Um, I know it takes advertising unless you find the ones yeah, trust. I get it. Yeah, paid advertising. Right. but or so just bad so writers, your your point you know. is, even though it's all better now, that's a bad thing. No, I'm saying even though it's all better now, it's created a different problem that frustrates me. I'm I would rather this it's problem not, than it's not the a binary choice. It's, yeah, I, I'm complaining. I'm complaining about the too much choice that's what i'm doing and yeah. i'm saying i wish there was a better way of finding the good stuff than what we have now which is kind of no way of finding well the i good think stuff. i do think that there is a little bit of um a problem in our society we want the immediate gratification that we don't want to spend the time to discover it for ourselves but that's where something like you know the the kindle unlimited for instance comes in or even not even the unlimited in that kindle from the day it launched, you can read a couple of chapters for any book for free. And if you wanted to buy it, you could. Yeah. And if you did it, see, it's kind of taken the library model in that it doesn't cost you anything. Go ahead and download it. And if you like it, yeah. go ahead and buy it. And if you didn't like the first couple of chapters, it's, you know, it's probably, you know, don't buy it. Yeah. So in that but regard, I think it's so um, much better. Good luck going in the 90s yeah. into a bookstore and standing there for four hours reading a book. See how long that will last. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I'm reading the first three chapters thing. now. To see we if can I do. Buy it. <laughs> the, you know, the more modern bookstores kind of encourage you to do that, and the because of the changes, because the things are so much better now. Yeah. 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 If you could find um, a freaking modern I, I, bookstore. Well, that's the other problem, and of course, you mentioned libraries, and and they are certainly in Britain, they've become much more of an endangered species than perhaps even they are in the states. Here too. Um, Here they too. Are, you know, and that. That is, I mean, that was that was how I got into a lot of science fiction authors when I was a kid. Was going to libraries and picking up good books, and also, you know, secondhand bookstores. Most of the books I read when I was growing up used to go to these secondhand bookstores where you could buy them for a couple of dollars each. Yeah, I remember that. Pre-read books, you know, with the corners cut off on the front to, you know, there was a there was a post on Facebook today, uh, and I think it was a a link to a news story. A young a uh, local couple, avid readers, they always wanted to have a bookstore, and they actually opened one up. It's either downtown Battle Creek or downtown Marshall. I'm not sure which. Right. Uh, they're just opening, which, good timing. Um, yeah. You know, and it's all secondhand books, and they've got this business plan, and I wish them all the best. I really do. It's going to fail miserably. They're going to be out of business in a year or two. They just will. Because... Almost nobody is buying physical books. It's just, yeah, they're just not. Yeah, we all see people carrying books around, um, but 
it's just, I, I wish, I really do hope that they succeed. But personally, I'm not going to go to their store because I don't read physical books anymore. I read them on my phone. I read them on my Kindle. I read them on my iPad. Yeah. I don't read them on my computer. Um, so, you could. know, I look, I I love, I, I had e-readers before there were e-readers. Sure. I had some I terrible e-readers before uh, Amazon You had the started. Sony one that you liked a lot, I remember. I had the Sony one, and before that, I even had the um, the old, I bought second, had the old Rocket book. Oh, yeah, yeah, was yeah. Kind of a, yeah? Yep. You know, and I and I would download books off the internet, convert them to PDF, and put them on there so I could read them, you know, with all sorts of conversion and editing errors and all that sort of thing. Often, they were book, books that somebody had retyped. You know, just because when I went away to travel, I wanted to take a whole load of books with me. I didn't want to take a load of physical books. I have two Kindles. I have the um, top of the range one. What is it? The Oasis or the Voyager? The Oasis, Oasis. I think it is. The, yeah. You know, the the, exp the crazy expensive one. And I also have the, um, I, I picked up recently a Kindle DX, which is the big yeah. iPad size Kindle, which you can't buy anymore. Um, I picked that up used and I bought that because I sometimes when I'm doing work stuff, I like to put the work documents on a Kindle so I can browse through them without having to deal with doing them on, on the screen, the computer. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm all down with the e-readers, but I still love physical books and I, there is nothing I love more than going into a secondhand bookstore and walking out with five or six books that I've chosen. And my daughter, yep. my daughter, she has a Kindle and she's a, she is a huge reader and she loves physical books much more than reading them on the Kindle. Don't get me wrong. She'll read them on the Kindle, if I give her, you know, 20 books on the Kindle or something like that, she'll, she'll be really happy, but she loves having the physical books. She loves having them round her, you know. She uh, just had her awesome. birthday, and we bought about yep. £40 pounds worth of physical books for her to read. And there's something about a physical book that still has a bit of magic for me. Maybe for younger people it doesn't, um, but, but for me it does. I, I think that you get the good with the bad. Yeah. But I think with the current system, it gives someone like T.R. Harris, as an example, Tom, um, an opportunity that he would not have gotten. And he, yeah. he told me this in the interview. He would not have gotten yeah. a chance to write his story. People just would not have been yeah. interested. And, 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 I'm and not, now he can I'm do it saying, full time yeah. and he's successful. And I know you're not, yeah, saying, not that saying that's a bad thing. Yeah, I don't want that to go away. I, what I'm, I'm really kind of saying is I'd like to have the best of both systems. I'd like to have the ability for anyone to publish what they want. I just wish it was easy to find good stuff on Amazon. And I wish that when you went into a physical bookstore, they didn't have a very narrow selection of the same old authors, but actually they were still physically pu publishing more diverse stuff than they used well, to. Well, the problem like, you know, there the problem is, is... is the publishers that they are stuck yeah. in a business model that doesn't work anymore and they've yet to figure out how to get out of it. That's yeah. their problem. Yeah, I, I'd agree. And I'd love, I'd just love it if published, I think publishers just in the same way we've talked about with movie studios, I think if publishers took more risks, they would be more successful. I agree. Uh, the, the prob, this is the problem is this narrowing of choice and the narrowing of selection is because they only sell the stuff that sells. So, the, you know anything that looks like Harry Potter comes out, and it's a co it's a copy of Harry Potter because they they're hoping to find the next Harry Potter. Um, and the problem is, you end up with a lot of very very samey books, and it's now, the same with this, with the the hard science fiction stuff. And you now, know the same successful right. authors can churn out books, and some of them are good, some of them are bad. But very rarely do you see oh I've not seen that name before. Um, 
And also, all the old stuff that is still classic stuff, a lot of it's aged pretty well, it's disappeared. You can't find it anymore unless you go looking for it on Amazon. When's the right. last time you saw a, a you know, a, a Jerry Pornell book on a, sh- on a shelf in a bookstore, or Larry Niven, or um, even Isaac Asimov? He, used to, he wrote loads and loads of stuff, and it's all disappeared unless you go looking for it. I think that's true with almost anything, isn't it? You have to go look for it. Well, no, yeah, but you can't find it in a bookshop anymore, a physical bookshop, because they won't publish it anymore. True. You know, the amount well, of good stuff that's gone out of print, yeah, and unless you go looking for it on Amazon, you're never going to see it again, is ridiculous. Yeah, and that's, um, And that's again, the downside of what, yes. what we have today. And I well, wish we had that as well as, that's yeah, what less of that as well as the, the, the good stuff. Yeah. Um, I You know, and, and it's not lost on me that I say mm-hmm. everything I just said, knowing that I'm a published author. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, a publishing house approached me. I wrote two books. I am a published author. So that's yep. not lost on me. Uh, and I, and quite honestly, I wouldn't have written either one of those books if I was going to write it on my own. Yeah. It, it would have just gone on my Mac and I would have got some money because of advertising, but it would have been that, well, that was peanuts compared to what the book publisher paid me. But that's still yeah. back. That, that model doesn't exist anymore. And I know it, it, I feel sorry for some of the writers who came up at that time where, the, what am I supposed to do now? Well, now you're supposed to take a chance. You're supposed to write your stuff. You're supposed to put it on Amazon. You're supposed to promote it yourself. You have to be your biggest, your own biggest cheerleader. Um, yeah, and you gotta, you, you just gotta work. All that's the system. done is, yeah. All that's done is move the goalposts somewhat. Yeah, because yep. yes, anybody can publish anything now, but there are plenty of people who are probably great writers and are terrible self-publicists and don't like oh, speaking sure. in public and don't want to do the circuits and all of yep. that. And the advantage used to be that the publisher would do all of that for you. Yeah, in except the they probably they wouldn't publish that great author's book if you listen to you know a lot of writers that said, "Oh, I got so many rejections back then." Yeah, well, you know what? Rejection is kind of a fact of life. Um, you know, sometimes rejections make you a better author because it yes, makes you stop thinking the about who what you're rejecting them was and why it's been rejected. Right, but well, but there was no reason half the time. What what justification? Go to all these assholes who turned down the Harry Potter series. What was your justification? Those people should all have been fired from their job because they obviously sucked at it. Socked at it. What she get like twenty rejections? Is it, isn't that her story? She got like twenty rejections from different publishers before Scholastic finally published her book, right? So, mm-hmm. so at least twenty people should have been fired for that. At least twenty people. Yeah. So I, well, I think I'm, the system I'm, is. Yeah, way I mean, I think I think Harry Potter is recent enough that it was, it was still within the realm of people. You know, it was after the contraction of the book industry and people were less willing to take chances and they thought harry potter was a was a chance you know right. 12 publishers apparently um, 12. she was rejected from yeah 12 yeah. 12 companies who half of them are probably out of business now if not more yeah. um what would their fortunes been like if they would have had competent people and thank goodness that the, that business model is gone because it sucked in every single way well, the, that business model is still there. It's just it's very, very small now. Yeah, thank you. You know, you just proved my point. But yeah, but they, 
Yeah, well, yeah, look, I'm not disagreeing. This is the point. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think we're trying to find some middle ground between your, your curation view and my view. of what's good and what's bad and what's worth buying and not worth buying is something that's definitely needed. And I don't think, yeah. um, you know, the way Amazon does it, if you like this, you maybe you'll like this. I don't think that that really works too well. It sure doesn't work on iTunes when you listen to something and you want to kind of go dive deep diving and their recommendations are almost always like, no, that's not good at all. What are you talking about? Um, So I I don't know what the answer to that is. We definitely need something. I think some very smart people have tried and failed. um, And I don't know the answer, but I still think even without great curation, it's so much better now. In, in almost every single category. Movies, we're getting really good movies now. I mean, look at the Avengers. Yep. I mean, not mm-hmm. only is it the, the biggest movie of all time, the biggest franchise of all time, it's really good. Look yeah. at television. We have the best television programs of all time right now. No question. Yeah. It started oh, with yeah, The Sopranos, I'm, I'm, yeah. and it's only gotten better and better and better. Look at music. Now, even, oh, I don't like new music. A lot of the new music is just amazing stuff. You, you look at books. Books are amazing now. Now, yes, granted, I'm reading a series from the 90s, but that's only because nostalgia hit. Um, almost all of the entertainment is better now than it's ever been. And, and most of it is because of technology, specifically computers. Yeah. And uh, it's we're living in a golden age, and all we do is, you know argue and it's and, and, and bitch <laughs> and find yeah. the things that divide us instead of bringing us together i i agree i yeah. i agree on that most most definitely i um i find it interesting actually that um i read recently that all the scoring for um the new the next series of picard yeah is is being is being done by uh, the composers at home that's and cool. he's getting different orchestra people to Kind of play the parts and then he's editing them together at home on his computer. That's Apparently, cool. all the editing for the next series of Discovery is being put together uh, on people's homes on their home computers. You know, because obviously they can't go to an editing suite. Right. Um, you know that in itself is is cool. You know, a, an amazing. Well, it's it's an amazing example of what technology allows us to do in some very difficult times. Yep. And the fact that it allows people to continue to do their jobs while they can't. Um, go and travel anywhere is amazing so with you that know. we're going to wrap up this episode of geeks pub we'd love to get your feedback of course i've been lethargic and lazy and i haven't set up an email address specifically for it um and i did get some feedback about the imac and other stuff and we're going to read that on the next tech fan so if you're not yep. subscribed to tech fan make sure because it is the sister show of geeks pub so david i will see you in a week see you then <laughs>